When I get back in that room, you better be wearing nothing but a candy cane. What was briefly yours is now mine. Uh, how do we know it's not a fake? It looks like a fake. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. All righty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Welcome back to another episode of Stories. Today's Stories, Christmas Shopping. <laughs> oh, everybody's favorite. Oh my God, Christmas Shopping. Or some people are. Oh my God, Christmas Shopping. You know, I never really minded Christmas shopping. I always enjoyed it, and I think it's because I was brought up to believe that Christmas shopping and Christmas giving was a good thing. It wasn't a chore. It was something you were supposed to look forward to doing. So I did. I always looked forward to it. I enjoyed Christmas shopping. Now, I didn't enjoy the crowds. I didn't enjoy battling the lines. I've never enjoyed Black Friday, for instance. Oh my god, I'll tell you the story about that in a little while. But the crowds and the people and the pushing, that part I don't like. And I I completely understand why people hate the Christmas shopping experience. But the shopping itself, finding gifts for people, finding things for people that you care about, that's fun for me. I enjoy that. And that started at an early age. And I'll tell you why that started at an early age. It's because my parents instilled that in me. And this is what you can do for your kids too, by the way. You can instill it in them from an early age. You have to start early. You can't tell a 15-year-old, all right, time to go spend your own money and go get stuff for your relatives. It doesn't work that way. It's not the way you instill things. You instill things starting at an early age and working, working consistently throughout the kids' entire lives. And that's what my parents did for me. Now, don't forget, you have to remember that I've been Christmas shopping for a long, long time. Long before the internet, long before Amazon dropped boxes on your porch on a Sunday afternoon, long before you could shop in your pajamas from your desk, I'm an old school shopper. Now, this is where you get the story. I used to walk to the mall uphill in the snow both ways to get my Christmas gifts for your grandparents. It wasn't quite that bad, (laughs) but Christmas shopping has changed over the years. Oh, let me tell you, I haven't been to a mall at Christmas time in probably five years because it's so much easier now. I still take the time to shop and I still do my research and I still find out what people want, but it's so much easier to sit and point and click than it used to be. That said, there is something lost in the process. There's something cool about going out to the store and trying to find the exact right gift. Now, when I was a kid, my earliest memories of Christmas shopping involved my parents taking us to the store. Now, when we were younger, we did get allowances, but we didn't have to use our allowances early. I don't remember when allowances started, and I don't remember when we were required to use our own money, our quote-unquote own money, to do Christmas shopping. But what we were given was a budget. My dad would give me $5 and he would say, all right, you have to go buy a present for your mother and you've got to get presents for your brother and your sister and you have $5 to do it. So go. And he'd let me loose in the store. As my brother and sister got older, he let us loose together and we would shop for the parents together. Obviously, I didn't shop for my brother when my brother was with me, but it was my responsibility to take my $5 and budget it for my mother and my brother and my sister. And my mother would also give me a couple of bucks for a gift for my dad. 
Then when that was done, we would get a small budget for our grandparents and our aunts and our uncles, and we had to shop for each of them, and we had to go pick out gifts that we thought that they would like. Now, as you guys know, if you've listened to other episodes of the podcast, we didn't have a lot of money when I was growing up, but it was important that what we had, we used appropriately, and that's why we were top budgeting, and that's why we had a set amount to go shopping with. So we would go to the local stores. Now, back then, you didn't have the malls. We had a couple of strip malls and we had a couple of very tiny shopping malls. And I use the word in its broadest sense because the Hackettstown Mall, that's near where I grew up. The Hackettstown Mall had, let me think, it was maybe 10 stores. The Anchor Store, just to give you an idea of what we're dealing with, the Anchor Store in the Hackettstown Mall was a Jamesway. What's Jamesway, you ask? Well, if you've heard of Kmart, Jamesway is Kmart's poor brother. But that's the local store. So we had a Jamesway, and we had a, a, a couple of local clothing stores. This is when mom-and-pop stores used to be the only tenants in the local malls. So you would have Jamesway, and you would have an RJ Mars. That was the local department store, for lack of a better term. Then a place called, like, I, I don't even remember the name. I want to say Blair's Jewelry, something like that. It's not like I went to Blair's Jewelry all that much, but I remember they had a little jewelry store and they had a little shoe store. It wasn't it wasn't a stride right or a payless. It was like Aunt Blabby's shoe store or something. I don't even remember what it was. But they had a local shoe store. And if memory serves, God, it's been so long. I haven't even thought of a Hackettstown Mall in so long. If my memory serves, there might have even been a Woolworths up there, at least early on. And I want to say Woolworths only because I remember we were in a Woolworths. I'm just trying to remember if it was the Hackettstown Mall. And I know it was Woolworths because it had the fish department and it had a counter where you could get sandwiches or drinks. It's one of those really old school department stores where they had a lunch counter in the back, a pet department in the back, a clothes department, a stationery department, a shoe department. It was really a classic old school if you remember the term five and dime, it was a five and dime store because everything was either a nickel or 10 cents. That's where the term five and dime came from. But you know, those old department stores, they had, you know, they had the nice stuff that was in there that was five or six dollars. And then they had the cheap stuff that was 50 cents or a dollar. And so we would go through the aisles of the, the housewares, for instance, and we would try to find something that mom would like. We'd have our five dollar bills in our hands. That was our budget. And we would try to find something in that budget that would cover mom without overspending so that we'd have enough to cover each other as well, brother and sister. And so dad taught us and mom taught us, when you go shopping, you have to have an idea of what the person you're shopping for would like. What do they like? What are they interested in? I know that's a weird father-son talk to have, isn't it? But I think it's an important one to have. This is how you shop for somebody. I mean, the short explanation is, when you shop for somebody, give a shit. But you can't say that if you're a father talking to a six-year-old boy. So what you have to say is, what does your mother like? My mother liked to take baths, so I remember getting a lot of bath salts. I remember getting bubble bath. I remember getting lotion. I remember getting handkerchiefs for some reason. I don't remember why. Handkerchiefs, for those who don't know, they had little dainty cloth handkerchiefs that ladies would tuck in their purses before the packets of disposable tissues were everywhere, ladies used to have little colorful handkerchiefs. And little colorful handkerchiefs were not only everywhere, 
but they were also super cheap, so you could get a couple of them and not blow your budget. But even things like bath salts and bubble bath, that was all good because mom knew that we were out there shopping for it, and that we took the time to find it, we took the time to think of her, and we took the time to find something that she was interested in. And that is what Christmas shopping is all about. And we had to apply the same philosophy when shopping for each other. I knew what my brother was interested in, so I would keep that in mind. I'd have my $4 left after buying mom her handkerchief. So I'd have a couple of bucks to spend on my brother and a couple of bucks to spend on my sister and a couple of bucks to spend on my father. And I had to figure out how to divide it up. So this was part of the process too. You had to learn to budget. So then I'd say, well, let's see, my brother is really into Spider-Man these days. Oh, cool. Here's a Spider-Man comic book. Let's get that for him. And my sister is into whatever she was into at the time. I remember shopping and I remember going out and racking my brain for the right thing to get for everybody because that's what we were supposed to do. We had to give some thought to everything that we bought. And I remember my mother and father saying that. My mother's voice still echoes in my head about that. Well, make sure you give it a little thought. You don't want to just buy for the sake of buying. Buy something that shows you care. And I still do that because, you know, it makes sense. Just don't buy a piece of crap and hand it to them. Here, have a gift. Give some thought to it. And that was something my parents instilled in us. And you know something? That's a thing that's kind of lost these days. You don't just have to buy for the sake of buying. If you're going to bother going out to buy a gift... Or, if you're going to sit at your computer and search for something on Amazon, have in mind who you're shopping for and what you're getting. I learned that from my dad as well, because my dad always, always, always got my mother something that was meaningful to her, that was something that she wouldn't otherwise get for herself, and that was specific to her interests. My dad never bought my mother an appliance for a holiday, let alone Christmas. My dad didn't buy vacuum cleaners or frying pans or toasters. He didn't buy a recliner for her that he knew he would sit in. Yes, I'm giving examples of gifts that I've heard other people give to their wives. It's one of those, gee, just what I was hoping you'd get kind of gifts. You buy gifts that are specific. My dad, for instance, would find interesting art supplies for my mother, like an easel or a set of pastel crayons because she was into art and she was working with pastels. So he would go out and find pastels for her to use. He would buy her art supplies of various types because she was very into art. My mother loved music, so he would find things that were musically oriented. If he was at an auction, for instance, and he found an accordion, he knew she would like that. And so he would pick up the accordion for her and he'd stash it somewhere. If he found it in August, he would buy it in August and stash it and save it for Christmas. How do I know he did this? Because I saw him do it. And that's kind of where I learned to shop too. If you see something that you know is a significant gift, something that your significant other is really going to appreciate, grab it when you can and stash it and save it. I've done that for years. But yeah, my dad would buy things and stash them away for months until Christmas came up. And he did find things like accordions and concertinas and old guitars that he'd buy at an auction, stash it away, wrap it up nice, and give to her on Christmas. And she loved that because it not only showed that he cared, but showed that he paid attention. It showed that he knew what she liked. Now, that's not to say that gifts are only things that are just frivolous. Sometimes a gift is something that somebody needs, somebody that 
something that they're not going to be able to get for themselves, something that they're not going to buy for themselves. I remember one of the greatest gifts that I got as a teenager is going to sound like the dumbest thing in the world to us today as we're sitting here. But at the time, 18-year-old me desperately needed a pair of snow tires for my car. I had just started working. I'd been driving for a year. I was paying for the car. I was paying for the gas. I was paying for the insurance. This is when I was driving my 1969 Plymouth Fury 2. And I was out in college, so I was only working a little bit at the time. I was in school most of the time. But my parents knew my situation. And yes, by the way, I was paying for my own insurance. One of the rules of me driving was I had to have the car titled in my name and have my own insurance policy because my parents weren't going to pick me up on that. This was my responsibility. So I was driving in Ohio in this giant whale of a car in the wintertime. And I was driving between Ohio and New Jersey to come home for the holidays, and I did not have a good set of tires on the back, let alone snow tires. But my parents came through that Christmas. I didn't get a lot, but I do remember two giant things wrapped up and stashed next to the tree in the living room, and they were two giant snow tires that were the thing that I needed and wanted more than anything else that Christmas. Sure, I could have gone with a lot of other things. Would a sweater have been nice? Absolutely. Would a couple of games have been nice? Absolutely. But I desperately needed snow tires. I didn't have the money to get them, and so my parents made me a gift of snow tires for Christmas that year. And I will never forget that gift because they knew exactly what I needed, and that was the gift that they gave me. And I'm forever grateful for that because it showed that they cared. <laughs> they didn't just buy me something frivolous. They didn't buy me something fluffy that I could just, oh, wow, what a lovely gift. They didn't buy me something lightweight or throw away, something that I could just go, oh, thanks for the sweater. I got the snow tires that I desperately needed. And sometimes that's what gift giving is all about, too. Maybe you can't afford to give 30 gifts of frivolous stuff that may or may not be useful. But if you know what somebody needs, if you know that they need a new motherboard for their computer or strings for their guitar or a new pair of shoes for a job interview, that can be the best gift you ever give anybody. And I learned that from my parents. And I've tried to pass that on to my kids. I've tried to pass on the idea that everything you give should have meaning. Don't buy something just for the sake of, here, have something. You want to buy things that people have a use for that shows that you care. People say, it's the thought that counts. You thought enough to go out and give them something. Yeah, all right, true. But if I'm going to go out and buy you a fruitcake and wrap that up and put it under your tree, I know you're going to hate me forever because you don't. You're not going to eat that. I'm not going to eat that. Unless I'm giving it to you as a doorstop, it's kind of a pointless gift, don't you think? Unless I happen to know you love fruitcake, why would I do that? Now, if I know that you love brownies and I give you some gourmet brownies, now that's a gift. If I know you like craft beer and I get you a subscription to the Beer of the Month Club, that's a gift. If I know you drink fine whiskey or love t-shirts or whatever it is that you care about, if I get you something that's consistent with what you care about, that's the whole point of giving gifts, don't you think? Now, when I was a kid, we did make a special trip for Christmas shopping. There was always a weekend or two before Christmas where we'd go out and uh, do the whole shopping trip. Nowadays, Christmas season has extended so long, you can start shopping in September and still be shopping in December. And that's all well and good if that's what you want to do. 
The problem is, and the tendency is, as I've seen over the years, is the longer you shop, the more stuff you get. And all of a sudden, Christmas becomes this ginormous festival of, here, have as much stuff as I can find for you that I thought you might be passingly interested in based on the fact that you mentioned it once in the past year. I mean, I guess there's nothing wrong with that if you want to give somebody 112 gifts. But I remember growing up, we would have maybe 10 gifts that we would open over the course of a holiday. Maybe. We've gotten to a point now where we're a little excessive at times with what we give. And I go back to those snow tires. I go back to the snow tires because, okay, what did they cost my parents? Back in those days, maybe 100 bucks for a couple of snow tires. And 100 bucks at the time was a huge amount for my parents to spend. And I don't really remember getting anything else that holiday. But you know what? I didn't need anything else. They cared enough to get me the thing that I needed. They spent the money that they needed to spend to get me the one thing that I wanted. And that one gift sticks in my head more than any other gift that I've ever gotten as a kid. Because I remember those snow tires to this day. Now, there's been certain other gifts over the years, too, that I've gotten that I remember fondly. But the ones from childhood that I remember the most were the unexpected gifts that came out of nowhere, really, because I didn't expect my parents to go get me the snow tires. Number one, they made it clear I was responsible for my car. And number two, I knew how expensive they were. So I didn't think that there was any way that they were going to give me two snow tires. But they did. And that's why it's so memorable, because it was something unexpected that I desperately needed. The other memorable gift that I got, I was much younger, also involving transportation, coincidentally enough. It was when I got my first bike for Christmas. It wasn't a fancy bike. It wasn't, it wasn't a Schwinn chopper. It wasn't a five-speed bike. It was just a bike. I was about 10 years old and I got the bike. And just like the snow tires, it was one of those gifts that just came out of the blue. I didn't expect it. I didn't know I was getting it. It just blew me away that they had gone to the expense of finding a bike for me. And of course, I had to ride it the first day, December 25th. It wasn't snowy, but I do remember putting on my coat, putting on my, my boots and my long pants to go out and ride it down the driveway. And of course, I rode off the driveway and into the stream and fell off the bike. And my mom crying in a panic from the porch, are you all right? Are you all right? But it was a gift that I remember. It was a gift that I remember to this day. I mentioned at the beginning Black Friday. As the years have gone by, Black Friday became a huge thing. Black Friday was never a huge thing when I was a kid. Black Friday, what the hell was Black Friday? We didn't know what Black Friday was. We didn't shop on Black Friday. I don't remember these huge sales on the Friday after Thanksgiving. Not when I was a kid. That didn't become a thing, at least that I was aware of, until the 1980s when it became the hugest thing ever. I mean, people talked about Black Friday. Black Friday, for those who don't know, it's a retail term, meaning the Friday after Thanksgiving, when everybody goes shopping after Thanksgiving, is the day they put retailers into the black, meaning they were profitable for the year. Usually, it took until this day before retailers became profitable, and it's called being put into the black because they use red ink for when you're not profitable, when you're operating at a deficit, and black ink when you're operating at a profit, thus the term Black Friday. See, you learn something. But anyway, <laughs> I didn't used to go out on Black Friday because it was never a thing. I started going out on Black Friday in the 80s and the 90s when these huge Black Friday sales were the biggest thing around. 
But they became so crazy. And I mean, people camping out at two, three, four in the morning. How crazy is that? I didn't do that for concert tickets when I wanted to go see a concert. I'm certainly not going to do it for a TV. God, no. My time is worth more and my sleep is worth more than that. But I have been out on Black Friday. It is not something that I recommend to the faint of heart. Because people can be just so pushy and rude, especially on the East Coast, where we're packed in here like sardines anyway. And then you put a bunch of tired, angry, hungry people in a line in the cold of November, waiting for the greatest deal they'll ever see on a TV until next week, when they put the same damn thing on sale again. You know, that's what I learned. You get great deals on Black Friday, and yeah, occasionally you'll get something really, really good. But for the most part, you're going to see those deals again anyway. So yeah, I've done Black Friday. I've been in the crowds. I've waited in line. The earliest I ever waited in line was 5 in the morning because there was one thing that I really, really wanted to get. It was a stereo set back in the 90s. And I did wind up getting it. But was it worth it? I mean, yeah, it was worth it. It was a nice gift to give. But boy, oh boy. These days, it's worth it to me to pay the extra 20 bucks so I don't have to wait at 5 in the morning in line with a bunch of other loonies. So yeah, I don't do Black Friday anymore. I guess it's like anything. Maybe you should try it once... Discover how much you hate it so that you never have to do it again. I'm much happier doing Cyber Monday from the comfort of my living room in my jammies and slippers. That's going to do it for this episode of Storytime. Thanks so much for listening. As always, I appreciate the fact that you take the time to spend it with me, to listen to my stories, to listen to my rantings and ravings and reminiscences, and I can't thank you enough for that. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves, and I'll see you when I see you.